You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Happy Advent. We are, man, we're like down to the finish line here in we're Advent. We're so close. We're looking ahead Christmas. to Advent 4 in just a moment here with Pastor Richard. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Coming back for one more episode in this series, the Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard of St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota, also author of Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? Pastor Richard, welcome back. It's good to see you both. Thanks for spending some time with us studying God's Word this season during the season of Advent. We are looking forward to Advent 4 in the one-year lectionary. So that means we are in John today, chapter 1, verses 19 through 29. Anything, any notes or anything you want to give us before taking a look at the text? You know, this is one of those texts where it's just best just to jump in, jump right into it. And right. boy, there's so much to cover here. It's just, just it's, it's, it's great. <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to start with the text then? You want to read the, sure. the text for John chapter one. John chapter one, verses 19. And let's see, we got to what verse is it? 28? 29. 29. Perfect. All right. And this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am the Christ. And they asked him, What then, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give answer. We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying out of the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him, and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Good stuff. So much good stuff here. So I feel like I just asked this question last week, but John, John, there's there's lots of Johns, just to be clear. This is still John the Baptist that we were talking about last week as well. Yeah, yeah. And for those that didn't listen last week, we talked about John the Baptist being... <laughs> <laughs> the the wild man John the Baptist and and the one who was out in the wilderness preaching that stern message of repentance repentance for sins the one who was eating grasshoppers right and and so but you know briefly as we covered last week this John the Baptist you know it wasn't as if you know he had a couple of his friends who felt sorry for him to came out came out to the wilderness to see him do his thing no literally thousands upon thousands of people came out. And that's the whole reason why, you know, the Jews, the, the religious leaders of the day, they sent people out to essentially, you know, take tabs of what's going on out here. I mean, there's a great commotion. There's a, there's a lot of movement, a lot of action, a lot of conversation going on when literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands, we're not talking like, you know, hundreds, but tens of thousands of people were going into the dirty Jordan River being baptized for repentance of sins. This is a, this is a huge event, incredibly huge, not just a small mom and pop type operation. I mean, this was literally days upon days of thousands of people being baptized. Mm-hmm. So when, when they're asking him who, who he is, he says who he's not. Why, why, is he, why is he doing it that way? Why doesn't he just like come out and tell them who he is? 
Well, you know, with with a lot of things, anytime there's great commotion, right, uh, a lot of attention, you know, we, we, we tend to ascribe different labels to a person. But I just, I just absolutely, I, I cannot express to you how awesome it is, how he defines himself, I am not the Christ. You know, and, and you think about this, we as Christians, you know, who are you? Who is Matt Richard? I'm not Jesus. You know, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not anybody. You know, who are we? I'm I'm not. I'm not even worthy to untie the sandals of Jesus. I'm. I'm a nobody, and 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 I'm just a. You know. And I love. I've, I've said this many times at St. Paul's. You know, to describe me as a pastor. If, what is that? The, the movie with the little minions, the little yellow guys, right? Was it? Is it Groot or Gru? Now Groot. Groot is in the the Marvel comics. Was it Gru? Gru. Yeah, Gru. Gru. Yeah, yeah, Gru. And then you have all these minions, right? The little the little yellow guys, and they're ta-da, right? These tiny little minions. They're just they just they just they just follow around with Gru. That's what a pastor is. He's a little minion. He's a minion of Christ. And 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 so John the Baptist, he diminishes everything. I'm not Jesus. I'm not these things. Uh, and he points what? And we see in verse 29, he points away from himself to Christ. Behold, right? Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So he. He diverts the attention away from him, and that's 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 awesome. That's just amazing to see that he diminishes himself, points to the one who what saves, the one who forgives, the one who redeems. All right, so there are the references to baptism in this text today, and John seems to imply that there might be more than one kind of baptism. Is that the case? Well, okay. So when we look at John's baptism. We look at John's baptism. It is a baptism for repentance, right? It is a baptism of repentance. Now, there's been a lot of ink spilled over the years on this with understanding how we, how we interpret this baptism. I, I would I would take this as 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 a baptism that is connected to Jesus. Uh, it is a baptism that definitely is 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 filled with 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 the Christ. Now, obviously, Jesus institutes baptism after his resurrection. He goes. Therefore, go into all nations, making disciples. And how do you make disciples? You make them by baptizing and teaching. Um, however, when you look at this baptism itself, um, I would not have it as a view of a baptism that's disconnected, uh, some rogue baptism that John is doing on his own. It's definitely a baptism that is uh, connection or, or flowing towards the Christ, the Messiah. Well, he says that he's baptizing with water, but among you stands one you do not know. What does he mean by that? He, he's kind of like, he's kind of, I don't know if, if this is a, a type of parable. He's just, he's explaining something in words to kind of, so that they'll kind of understand, but not entirely. What What's going on there? Well, in, in a lot of these things, you know, the the understanding of Jesus as we, we consider, as we look through, well, the gospel, okay, let's just do it this way. The gospel of Mark, when we look at the gospel of Mark, there's this question of, you know, as we go through the narrative of Mark from chapter 1 all the way to the very end of, of, of Mark, chapter 15 and 16, that area, there's this question of who is this Messiah? Who is this Jesus? And so now, obviously, when we approach the scriptures, the gospels, we do it with already a precursor, a pre-knowledge of understanding who Jesus is. But just imagine reading the gospel of Mark for the very first time, and you're introduced to this guy named Jesus. And then all of a sudden you're reading about this guy, Jesus, and he's preaching. He's baptized. Okay, so he's baptized in the, in, in the, uh, the Jordan. He goes and he's preaching. He's casting out demons. He's walking on water. He speaks to the wind and the waves, and they what? They listen to him. I mean, he, he actually basically says to the wind and the waves, you know, shut up. And it's like, 
creation says, oh, my bad. I'm sorry, Jesus. And kind of like a like a scared little puppy dog, the, the wind and the waves say, okay, our bad, we're sorry. And then calms to absolute silence. And 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 as we're reading the gospel of Mark, the demons actually are, are, are shuddering because they know who he is. And so if you're reading Mark for the first time, who is this Jesus? And yet these demons that he encounters they shriek out, you know, that he's that he's powerful, that he's the son of God. And the, these phrases, then all of a sudden, you have this Mount of Transfiguration where the father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And it filters all the way down to the very end of the gospel, Mark, and you have that centurion. After Jesus dies, he says, truly, this is what? The son of God. And there's this 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 kind of progressive revelation in the book of Mark that we were like, who is this? In the very end, it's the ta-da, he is the son of God. And so uh, this is the misconception that that happened amongst many people in the Gospels that we read. You know, you have one in the midst, and we don't really understand who he is. Um, there's there's a misunderstanding. Is is he is he a is he a Messiah that's come to top of the Roman Empire? Is he is he another Elijah? Is he is he a a bread king? I mean, a lot of people were going after Jesus because, man, we got free bread and fish. Let's go back because it's a whole lot easier just to get what from a bread machine. You know, just pop in a couple quarters and get him to pop out some bread and some fish. And we'll, we'll, we'll sit and pretend like we're interested in his messages and we'll get some free food. Why not? And then we can lay in the grass. I mean, so this, there's that mindset as well of, of uh, pursuing Jesus. So a lot of these misconceptions uh, that come about, and even to this day, we, we, we don't always understand Christ for who he really is. And so there's some of that going on here as well. Now in verse 19, we read when the the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him questions. And then verse 24, we read, now they had been sent from the Pharisees. Why is it significant that these messengers were sent from the Pharisees? Well, again, we, we, we have to keep in mind in the Gospels that this tension with the religious leaders built and built and built. In fact, two things that happened. As Jesus, if you look in the Gospel of John especially, as you look in the Gospel of John, every time that Jesus gets near the city of Jerusalem, which is kind of the stronghold of the religious leaders, conflict broke out. And then it was before his time, before, you know, before his time of what, being delivered over unto death, so he would actually pull back away from Jerusalem. But every time he came to Jerusalem, conflict would break out, then he would pull back and the conflict would go down. We also see in the Gospel of Mark that the conflict started with them, you know, asking questions. Who is he? Then they started, what, confronting him and challenging him. Then they went to breaking the Eighth Commandment, saying that he, you know, this Jesus has a demon. So they're attacking his character. Then they start plotting behind the scenes. Then they actually arrest him. And then they, what, crucify him. And then they, you know, he's buried and so forth. And so there is definitely a, a showdown, if you will, like at high noon. You know, that's that, that, that old Western, you know, how does it go? You know, that, that high-pitched noise. Da, 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 right, and so we're we're building on that tension uh, between Jesus and the religious leaders, and so they're wanting to keep tabs on things. So the the Pharisees. Now, keep in mind the Pharisees; they were very much, in a sense, almost like a, a blue collar type, blue collar type uh, group. Where the Sadducees were more white collar. Uh, the Sadducees were a little bit more more the uppity up. They would have been in the high profile, the, the you know, with the politicians and so forth. Where the Pharisees, they definitely had the blue collar in the midst of the people. So when the people started going out to John the Baptist for baptism, uh, repentance, when there started to be talk about this Messiah healing people, 
uh, perhaps we could say that the first to hear this would have been the Pharisees who had their ear to the ground amidst the people. And there's definitely a, a threat in a shift of power, uh, per se, between Jesus and the Pharisees. We are looking ahead to Advent 4 in the one-year lectionary with Pastor Matt Richard. We have more to discuss in this text as we look ahead in just a moment right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golfeth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're looking ahead to Advent 4, the fourth Sunday in Advent with Pastor Matt Richard. We are in the one-year lectionary in John chapter 1 today, verses 19 through 29. Now, Pastor, verse 28 says, These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. And last time, last week, we talked a little bit about location and how that was kind of significant in what was happening. Does, is the location kind of significant in, in this setting as well, the, taking place in Bethany across the Jordan? Well, just maybe to briefly hit from what we talked last week on this idea of the Jordan River, uh, where John was baptizing was where the people of uh, Israel, and I'll keep in mind, so they came to the Promised Land, they had to cross the Jordan. And that's where kind of their, perhaps their, their, their journey into the promised land began as they came in through that, 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 that path. And so there's, there's, it is significant that John is baptizing there at that Jordan. That is basically, he's saying, repent, get out here and begin and start it over again. As we hit the last week, I'd be like a teacher looking at a test and you start the test and they just, you know, from question one, you're off, off on the wrong path. And it can't be redeemed. So what does the teacher do? She, you know, she comes up and she says, nope, we're, we're, we're doing over. She rips it up, say, start over. Here's a fresh test and start over. And that's what John's doing. He's saying, you know, kind of doing it wrong. We got to get back to the basic because guess what? Jesus is on scene. Uh, Jesus is going to be in his ministry. So all this stuff, when you've entered the promised land, you've, you've, you've diverted down the wrong path. Get back out here, repent, start it over because Jesus is arriving on scene. And so, so again, the, the, these contexts and this, you know, this stuff really, really matters. Now, with regard to Bethany, now, this is not the Bethany near Jerusalem, but it's a small town east of the Jordan River. It's close to Galilee. And so, as far as significance, I, I would say that's just more the vicinity, that Jesus is in the vicinity of John, which we do see in verse 29, a little bit later on, the next day, what happens? John sees Jesus and he, he says, what? Behold, look, you know, don't look to me. Right? I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Elijah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not, I'm not the prophet. I'm not all these things. And then Jesus shows up and he's like, what? Look at him right here. Here's the one. Here's the one that I'm pointing to. Here's the one that we're getting ready for. This is why we're repenting is because of this one right here, which, okay, huge transition for us with Advent, right? Advent, as we've been talking about, there's some heavy texts with Advent. And then we encounter, like I said, we encounter John the Baptist. You know, he's knocking over our Christmas tree. He's smashing our He's smashing our glitter and, 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 and our lights, and he's just kind of wreaking havoc on our Christmas cheer. And right here, we pivot 
at this point, we pivot. Behold the Lamb of God. Now, now basically, we're getting ready to what? Crank on the lights. You know, we're going on to our going down to our electrical panel. We're going to flip a couple more switches to increase the lights. You know, we're going to go all Griswold, right? Christmas vacation. <laughs> Crank on all those lights. Behold the Lamb of God. Here he is. Now we're turning up the heat, turning on the lights. Jesus is on scene, which then with Advent 4, that's right on the right before what? The birth of the Son of God in that manger, right? In that town uh, of Bethlehem, that the light of the world is what? Coming forth. And we see that with the angels, right? Celebrating. And uh, the wise men eventually who come to, to reveal, to, to see the Christ. And so John is turning the lights on here in this, this, this verse, per se, in the Advent calendar, shift from Advent to Christmas. I'm seeing a, a Christmas movie plot working itself out in my head with John the Baptist and Griswolds and Glitter. Anyway, and this is appropriate because Advent 4 is happening on the 24th, same day as Christmas Eve. So we get we get a whole bunch of story that happens all in one day. So that pivot is is a really interesting thing that, that we'll be able to experience on Sunday with all of these readings happening all in one day. So that, that's going to be fun on Sunday. Now I want to go back a little bit to when the Jews are asking John who he is, why would they, out of all the people that, that they could have assumed that he was, why did they choose the Christ, Elijah, or the prophet what what's the significance of those well there was there was obviously when we look at the messiah with the messiah there was anticipation for the messiah that would arrive on scene now again when you say the messiah this is the the christ christ is the the greek word for messiah and so jesus the christ jesus the messiah there's one coming so there's anticipation in the old testament there's an anticipation that uh, some of the prophets would 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 arrive on scene again as well and so there was always this anticipation. Now, now, I think we should probably back that up even further to, to consider why is there such anticipation? Well, at that time in the first century, they were being ruled by the Roman government. And so they were a, a basically a, 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 a puppet state. They had Pontius Pilate there who was overseeing things. And so you had this oppressive hand. And I don't think we can fully um, appreciate that as, as Americans. It would be like, it'd be like, let's just say Canada were to invade you know, the United States. I mean, I, I don't know how that'd be possible, but but then, you know, if Canada invades, and I played, I played Canadian hockey as a kid growing up, but imagine ca- Canada invading, and then all of a sudden, every time you go out to eat, you have to eat French fries and gravy, right? Oh, you know, but that, which, that would be okay. It'd be okay, yeah. Maybe it's a bad, okay, poor analogy, terrible analogy. Okay, all right, so all right, analogy failed. Right? Okay, but, but, the, but the fact of the matter, okay, so just imagine another foreign nation coming and then being over top of us, and then not only being over top of us, but being displaced, and then having to pay taxes—you know, absolute terrible taxes—which we would probably equate back to the very beginning foundations of our American nation, paying taxes over overseas to England and so forth. So there's definitely that heavy hand. So there's always this anticipation of having somebody who is going to what be a deliverer, somebody who's going to free us, somebody who's going to bring us to that utopic bliss. And so anytime there was commotion, like such as John the Baptist, you know, is he the one that could what perhaps, you know, and, and, and let me just back this up. Not actually not back it up, but go forward. I mean, look at how we do this even as Americans. We 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 scramble and look for a political candidate to represent us. And we usually look for a political candidate who's going to give us what we want. And then we throw all of our energy behind him. And then we treat him almost messianic. You know, this this political candidate, whether it's the Republican or Democrat or Libertarian, uh, this one is going to what? Make all things right. And if we elect him, 
then everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be right. And then we get energized and we throw money at it and we get all, all work. It's the same thing of that first century, uh, this anticipation. And so again, John is what he, he, he's backing out of it. He's, you know, don't look to me. You know, I'm just, you know, don't look to me. I'm just leveling the path. And yet then we see in verse 29, uh, a complete opposite. Behold, right? Look, check this one out. There's a shift you know, of attention. So if you want, if you want to have attention, not at me, but look at Christ. He's the one. He's the one who have, should have our attention. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's talk a little bit about that phrase, the Lamb of God. How would that have been understood or regarded in that time by, the, by that audience? Okay. So for time-wise, I think we do have time. This, this is pretty profound. You about five minutes, yeah. Okay, so way back in the Old Testament, right? You remember the story with Moses and the Pharaoh and the ten plagues, right? Each of those plagues were designed to what be a slap in the face of an Egyptian false deity. And we get to that tenth plague, and if you can recall, in that tenth plague, they were to go and choose a lamb on this day. It was called the tenth of Nisan, Nisan or Nisan. I'm not sure exactly the pronunciation on it. The tenth day of this Jewish month, Nisan, and then they're to keep that lamb, and then on the fourteenth day of the month. They were to take that lamb, and it says, the, the Hebrew uh, way we translate it in the English says, between the two evenings, you were to what? Sacrifice it. And so there was, in Jewish mindset, there was there was a major evening and a minor evening, okay? So the, the minor evening was from 12 to 3, as the sun started to what? Go down. And then from 3 to 6 was the major evening before the sun would completely set. So if you say between the two evenings, it would be between the major evening and the minor evening, which would be approximately 3 o'clock. So they choose a lamb. And then they keep that lamb, which is perfect. None of the bones shall be broken. And then you slaughter it and you eat it. And then that blood was to be put over the what? The doorposts. And then death would what? Pass over. So the blood would actually atone or the blood would cover and protect from death. So here's what's kind of cool is the, you know, this is, we can say this loosely stated. The majority of the lambs, not majority, but a good portion of the lambs were raised in Bethlehem at that time. And so if you're going to Jerusalem to uh, have the Passover celebration, instead of bringing a lamb, you know, well, let's just swing by the, the you know, the local Walmart in, in, in Bethlehem. We'll pick up a lamb on the way. It's just easy, less to pack, right? I mean, that's kind of the mindset. So they would pick up the lamb in Bethlehem. Where, where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. And then the 10th day, that was to happen on the 10th day. What, what was the 10th day? That was Palm Sunday. And they keep it to the 14th in which it was slaughtered. Who was slaughtered at 3 p.m.? Who, who gave up his last breath? Jesus. And then whose blood atones for our sins so that death passes over us? Jesus. Whose bone was not broken? Jesus. Who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? Jesus. We have a direct connection back to the book of Exodus. And so the Lamb that is sacrificed, the blood that is poured out, the one who saves us from death, the one who is from Bethlehem is Christ. And so just imagine, just imagine on the day that Jesus was actually what crucified, that very day when he was crucified, uh, I think there's an old historian, uh, Josephus, he said there's approximately 156,000, 150, 160,000 lambs that were being what? Sacrificed for the Passover. And at that time when they were being sacrificed, here you have the true what? Lamb of God on the cross bleeding out for the entire world. Uh, And then he says, it is finished. Boom. Done. That's no more blood needed. Wow. Well, Pastor, I I was going to say, do you how do you want to wrap up this series? But I think that, <laughs> that that does it quite well. Anything else you'd like to to share as we wrap up this series uh, in Advent? 
Well, I, I think that that final comment where he says, I'm not worthy to untie the sandal of him, you know, in other words, think of it this way. We, 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 all of us with John the Baptist, we're not worthy. None of us are compared to the surpassing richness of Jesus. We're, we're, we're minions. We're nothing. And yet he came for us. He was born and put on human flesh for us, for the listeners, for you, for me. And he lived this life of sorrows. He went to the cross on his own accord. He wasn't drugged there. He wasn't like, you know, oopsie, I ended up in Jerusalem. I got killed. No, he went there on purpose. He went there on purpose with the intent. He stepped into the punches. He stepped into the suffering. He stepped into the pain. He was made to be sin, as Paul says. He became that sin. He was forsaken by God the Father. And at the very end, he says, it is finished. What's finished? My sin, your sin, our listener's sin. What is finished? The wrath of God against sinful mankind is finished. What is finished? The devil is finished. The evil foe is defeated. What is finished? Eternal death is finished. And he did that because he loves us, because he desires to what? Redeem us, forgive us. And so as, as he says in the gospel, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And that's the theme of Christmas. He came to serve us. He came to bleed and die for us. He came to be our savior. And so the gospel is for sinners, you bet, sinners who are redeemed by the Christ. And so well, what can we say? Merry Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. God be praised. Merry Christmas. Jesus mm-hmm. came for us sinners. He's the Lamb of God who takes away our sins, the sins of the world, and that he will come again in a second advent, right? We've been talking about the advent. He'll be coming in the second advent to take us home, to resurrect our flesh, to give us new bodies, and make all things right. Amen. Yeah. Our guest... Our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard of St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota, also author of Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? Pastor Richard, thank you so much for spending time with us during this Advent season and helping us look ahead to the, the text for the coming Sundays, each Sunday in Advent. Hey, it's my, my, my privilege. It's been very, very much a lot of fun. So, You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golsa. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.